This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Live on radio in five, four, three. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Wine, drop on the other side. And you know how we do every Thursday, top of the nine o'clock hour. It is M Go Blog Roundtable time with the M Go Blog crew, starting with the man that started it all at M Go Blog, Mr. Brian Cook. Brian, how you doing this morning? Silent. <laughs> but we'll come back to Brian. We'll come back to Brian. Seth, no, how are I you? am muted. Oh, they you muted me. You I, muted I, am, I am being censored. I am you being... muted yourself. No, you did it, Ira. I clicked the button and said oh, the, the speaker <laughs> muted themselves. I can no. try to mute you. <laughs> I, my, I, the First Amendment, Ira Weintraub, <laughs> I have rights. <laughs> All right, Seth Fisher, how you doing this where, morning? Where's this Brian mute button? I I could definitely use this. <laughs> we already got people saying free Brian, free Brian, <laughs> free Estapa, free the Indy right. five hundred. That is Craig Ross talking. Craig, how are you doing this morning? I, I, I'm doing fine. I'm just here to protect you because uh, Brian's been hitting people in the nuts, and what? so <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> What's going on over here? I served. I served, and the guy stepped into the like it just hit him. It was it wasn't. And he my went fault. down. He, he went did. down he like Frazier. Okay, <laughs> he did. He was he was uh, upset, but I was like, you know, bro, if you hadn't done it to yourself, anyway. <laughs> anyway, speaking of doing it to yourself. Two pick sixes against Minnesota. <laughs> they, they did. I, they, hey, that's a way to win a tennis match, though. You that's know that. Surprise, it's not a strategy. Ryan, just... you really tried the segue very well. I, I <laughs> Thank you. For it. I Craig was teeing me up. Tennis match. Craig was teeing me up, man. All right. I will I will make a rough segue here. Uh, <laughs> yes. Pick sixes. Two of them. They outscored the Minnesota offense. Michigan wins the game 52 to 10, Mr. Cook. Um, I knew it would be bad. I guess I didn't have Michigan winning by uh, scoring 50 points, but just shows you that this team uh, is taking a step every week, it looks like. Yeah, and I, I mentioned that in my game column is it felt like Michigan is already at this level, but they still have another gear they can hit, right? So you're seeing Derek Moore kind of run, round into form. You see Mason Graham get back, and he's got a club on his hand. He's playing amazing, but he's still a true sophomore. You have some questions in the secondary that are getting resolved over time. It feels like Michigan is already playing like one of the best teams in the country, possibly the best team. 
and there's still runway for them to get better. We saw them get better when they put in Henderson at left tackle, which now seems to be the uh, <clears throat> permanent setup, but he's still gelling with his teammates, right? So he's going to take a, a bit of time to get to where he's going to be at by the end of the year. You still have, you know, the running backs kind of feeling it out and, yeah, it feels like they're expanding the playbook every week. They're getting a little better. They're getting a little better. They're getting a little better. Yeah, yeah. defense still has like the one thing that's not working every single week. But this one was interesting. They were playing the um, they're playing the run with too few guys. So like when you looked at those zone stretches that were killing them, right? I I took a look at those this week, and it's, it turns out they're they have two defensive tackles and a linebacker in charge of four blockers and a running back, and it's like. Why are you playing this way, right? They have two safeties back. They have all these guys on the edge. They fix some things later. But, the, I mean, if you go back to the Ohio State game last year, they played that way against them where they say, like, look, our defensive tackles are so good. Mason Graham is just destroying them. Kenneth Grant is unblockable. Chris Jenkins is, you know, one of the best players in the country. Why don't we just let those guys cook? And if they want to do anything else, it's not going to work. And, you know, Minnesota has some good blockers and it didn't work <laughs> against them, but it might work against everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, to be honest, I'm probably wrong, that Rashawn Benny got beat up on, on some of these outside zones that they were running, but maybe it was just that there weren't enough guys to, enough to, hand, uh -huh. to handle it. I mean, I think that's probably right, but they seem to handle it okay with other constellations. Even Cam Good you know, who I is really becoming a good football player, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he, he's a plausible guy in, in the middle of the defense, but there were plays where they were running zone where it felt like there were, were cutback lanes, partly because I think you're right. They just didn't have enough guys there. Yeah. They, well, they, that's, that's what Minnesota does, right? Yeah. They RPO you. So there was motion early and it was clear that, Michigan was spending a linebacker trying to prevent uh, Calic Manis from getting easy throws, which seemed to be something that paid off because he never really got in a rhythm. Right. Five of 16, two pick sixes, never really got to throw an RPO except the one that got knocked down. So <clears throat> there, there were some things that Michigan needed to, to do, but you know, I think it's a hallmark of a good team is that when you come out and the other team has something that's working, and then you shut it up, shut it down after the first drive. Well, was that really a personnel problem, or was that just a tactical issue? For me, it's just a tactical issue that they fixed. Yeah, De definitely. Harbaugh talked about alignment. Vance did a, a really long um, sort of breakdown of the alignment of their uh, of their shade. He's like, man, you 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 are taking your your um, your nose or your interior guy out of the picture. Mm -hmm. By aligning them in the two eye, you basically you're allowing the, the center a free go on those plays, and the cutback lane is wide open. And so he said, you know, they you give them credit just for what you said, Brian. You give them credit for when they see something, and it's getting them for a bit. It doesn't get them for the whole game. So what did they have like 49 yards rushing in the first quarter, and yeah. then down for, it dropped precipitously in the quarter. Yeah, after. they got a 54 yard field goal attempt out of it. That was what they. That was how it paid off. They got a 54-yard field goal attempt because the other. And they got a few runs on it with um, when Michigan adjusted and they knew what the adjustment was going to be. 
But it was really funny. It was like going back to Rich Rod's offense because they're running, you know, zone stretch, and then they do belly on the backside to try to make up for it. And then, you know, there's it was it was very Rich Rod 2008. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, you you saw in coverage though, man. Uh, Right out the gate, <laughs> right out the gate, great defensive call that resulted in a a pick six. And already, if if Minnesota thought they had a chance, you you inflict that doubt in them right out the right out the shoot, guys. Yeah, and that's something that we've seen against you know Rutgers and that kind of stuff, where that soft edge has been annoying, right? Where Rutgers is completing nine yard hitches and we're like, why, why are we playing cover three off these guys so badly? And so we switch it up and then Will Johnson masterfully sells the idea that he's cover three corner comes off it. Bang seven, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually ran yeah. the same coverage against Rutgers to try to get them to cut that off. And Wallace, the, the, the throw was going out of bounds and Wallace like runs through the receiver and then he kept, picked up a flag for it. But it was the same exact thing. He was stepping in for a pick six, and it's nice to see them get the paid off instead of just having the you know the counter to the thing that we left, um, like just be left that way. You you know you guys mentioned or maybe Sam about the synchronicity with the offensive line being something that's improving and and can get better. There was a play where um, JJ seemed to change the. Uh, line blocking before uh, while he was at the line of scrimmage or not or in shotgun i think and uh and 73 Hen- henderson then picked up the blitzer on the outside i think it was a safety blitz perhaps and then but they also they dropped the guy off into coverage and they brought the middle linebacker too and mullings just flattened the dude do you <laughs> remember that play yeah. Yeah. i mean i just thought that was that was such such sweet coordination between the quarterback the left tackle and and then the running back seeing the 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 mic blitz i think and yeah they changed he the mic pancaked idea. him yeah they changed pancaked. the mic idea and it slid the the protection uh one yeah. man to the left and that was right to pick it up yeah it i think was that beautiful. i think ohio state yeah. fans remember that play too because that was the loveland uh sells his uh out route and then heads up field and then ends up getting a touchdown on that play well that was a lot shorter he's i mean he sold a two-yard route that time <laughs> and then <clears throat> so he was 15 yards downfield against right. ohio state before he broke out and up so significantly different uh play there but you know we've seen michigan integrate some razzle-dazzle stuff. And that wasn't razzle-dazzle per se, but it is man coverage against Colson Loveland, and you're finding a way to exploit that for a touchdown very easily. So I like I like where most things are going. And like early in the year, we're like, ah, I don't know about this outside zone. I don't know about what they're doing on yeah. offense. I don't know about what the tackle situation is. And now it kind of feels like, ah, it's fine. Everything's working. <laughs> like yeah. they, brought the, they brought the pin and pull back, and it's like, ah, it worked. Yeah. There was a crack sweep in this game that didn't work, but you know, could have worked. <laughs> yeah, we saw we saw the kitchen sink. I mean, you go from a, a week, a couple, a game a couple weeks ago where they run fifteen duos in one game, and the duo is a footnote in this game. I mean, it was more what they ran off a of duo. You had the fourth and one play to Mullings. You had the the pull by JJ in the red zone, but it was uh, they ran it like only a few times. But they ran 15, 16 different run schemes. 
in this game. And it's like, man, you can do all that. You can have that kind of diversity and still execute at a high level. I mean, these these dudes, and they have your quarterback be as locked in as he he's all the things that they were talking about in the preseason about or before the season about JJ, you know, recognizing coverages, recognizing pressures, changing protections, all those things we're seeing them on, on display on a weekly basis now. Yeah, it's interesting because we started with a game where we ran a lot of outside zone. Now we're seeing no outside zone or very. I don't know if there was a single outside zone play in this game. There was and, not. And uh, and really not much zone. I mean, this game was mostly gap blocked. I think. I mean, all. I mean, it had to have been eighty-five percent gap blocked. I mean, wasn't it? Yeah. So you know, it's a it's an interesting point, and I think it 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 highlights something that is you know I don't necessarily know that it's unique to Sharon. I think it's more of a it, it's kind of like a a, a Harbaugh based off and they are going to change their run scheme game to game based on the type of defense that they see. There's a reason we hadn't seen the pin and pull until this point. They had all those odd for odd stack teams, especially right. That it wasn't necessarily conducive to running pin and pulls first, even front team, you know, the guys that without a lot of movement up front that they face and they break the pin and pull out for the first time in, in six weeks. It's like, they got all these things in the toolkit, and based on the type of defense they play, they feel like they can pull it out even if they haven't run one in three or four weeks. I, I wonder yeah. if they also wanted to show that to Indiana a little bit because, you know, Tom Allen loves to blitz his cornerbacks. They aren't showing anything to Indiana. This is the worst team on the schedule. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm going to demur on that one. That, or in, is, this, Indiana... is this where you're sticking up for your Bowling Green buddy again? Is that where you're <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait, because I would I would argue that they are not. <laughs> well, wait, Bowling Green beat Georgia Tech last week, who didn't beat, they? I think they Miami. did. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but uh, Indiana can play some defense. They played good defense against Ohio State. Yeah, I know. But Michigan needs three points to win this game. That, well, that's true. But but they are but they're not a complete meatball defensively. I mean, offensively, they can't run the ball, but you know, defense, and I don't think they've got a A plus pass game either. In fact, they're probably pretty awful on offense. But defensively, they do have some ability, and Allen is a good defensive coach. Well, I think I caught them running a pin and pull last week, um, mm -hmm. just one. But it's something where you occasionally see Michigan pull something out once, just as a a dry run, and then it becomes more prominent in subsequent weeks. So <clears throat> I'm hoping the crack sweep actually is that kind of situation because Minnesota moved late a lot and they moved late before this one. So it, it kind of got blown up for rock, paper, scissors reasons, but we're talking about getting to the edge. And that's something that was very effective early in the Harbaugh era, but has been shelved since. So I figure that given everything that opponents are doing to get inside, because Michigan runs a ton of duo, they run that dive. They are, set up to have that be a successful play because the guy who's trying to get a crack in that guy's going to be running away from him. He's going to be running to the interior of the defense. So that's going to be pretty easy to, to get most of the time. So yeah. yeah. The, the, the play though, that he threw to, to coast and down the stretch. I mean, one of the things that you, you love about JJ is at least to me, I feel like, you know, he could, Either he will kind of make a mistake and he say, I got you a guy, I'll drop a ball and he'll go right back to him. 
We've yeah. seen that a couple of times this year. We saw that in this game, and he almost got coast and killed <laughs> on the play. And, <laughs> I like, and I was like, I was like, you know what? It's the one thing. It's the one maybe play you look at in this game. And you say, all right, that, that's probably what he wants back. But you yeah, just you're in the red knew. zone. Your tight ends are supposed that, to do that. That ball's there. Like yeah. he just drops it. Like <laughs> yeah, but you you got a you got a safety that he did not. He didn't budge. Like you look at it on all twenty-two, the safety was like literally staying, like sitting there, didn't move at all, just kind of waiting for it and, and closed. On the middle wasn't open. Point is, that's not my point. My point is that you just knew. I said to uh, whoever I was watching the game at the time, he's gonna get close in the touchdown now. You watch. He's gonna. He, he didn't get him a touchdown right there. He got blew up. JJ's gonna get him a touchdown, and JJ came back and got him a touchdown. Man, it's just. The dude is you feel like he's on the level where just he he just always is there's this this calm, this certainty about he's gonna he's gonna have them in the right place. He's gonna make the right play. He might make one or two uh, in a game that he he wants back, but compared to the 10 or 12 other quarterbacks make, one or two is nothing. This dude is playing at an exceptionally high level right now. Yeah, yeah. I just think Michigan needs to recruit more Buddhists or more or more guys who like are in the, you know, heavy meditation to keep. To you know, you can cool. actually take person who doesn't meditate and have them meditate, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> you have, we well, no, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, so he has six incompletions in this game. Three of them are drops. drops yeah. And one of them is a, a play where it's a short, it's a fade route, and but if more comes back to the ball, it's probably PI. Although on that one, he had Roman Wilson screamingly wide open on a drag. So, but we're talking about you know one or two events a game where I'm grading him negatively, maybe right. three in this one, right? And that's that's crazy. Um, it's uh, something that we saw early last year, and then he kind of fell off. But other than the Bowling Green game, like he's been locked in all season. And I don't, I don't see that changing. So, and they get him out. He's out the game in in the fourth. Like he's not playing the fourth quarter. I, I think that's actually some people think that's a. Uh, are you worried about that? No, man. It's like get him out of the game as soon as you yeah. possibly can. I love that about this season. Yeah, it's. I mean, there has been a fifteen-year-long period where Michigan couldn't get a senior starting quarterback healthy to the game. And I know JJ is not a senior, but he's certainly playing like one. And so. Like this is going to be the first time in a very long time where you're looking at this matchup and you're like, okay, Michigan has a clear advantage at quarterback. Now we should go back to one thing, and that's the two keeps in the red zone where he scores. That's not going to work <laughs> against better teams because right. I looked at these guys and I looked up their pro football focus. Both of the guys who are trying to tackle literally have a missed tackle rate of 25%. That's not good. So if that happens against even Lathan Ransom, who played horrible against Michigan last year, that's not going to work. So last year they ran a couple of keeps in the red zone and they got blown up because he wasn't able to evade a, a, a safety. And I feel like this could be fool's gold. Like I don't, I don't think this is going to be a good idea going forward because JJ is very fast, but he's not Denard Robinson. He's not a running back who can throw. Yeah. In, uh, speaking of fool's gold, what's not fool's gold is Barner, and uh, you know the. Uh, we came into the season thinking Loveland was going to be a great player and he's certainly going to be an NFL player, but Barner's a better blocker, I think. 
and 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 Barner is no stiff at catching the ball. Barner's going to play in the NFL, uh, and and so it's real to me. That's really been somewhat of a surprise, a, a really ha happy occurrence that's accruing. Also, the other Indiana guy we got is Tuttle, who's who's you know played pretty well in 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 his backup time. He played very well, I thought this week. So, thanks, Indiana. Right. All right. So you get out of this game and got to give a shout out to Keon Sab. He was able to uh, get his his first interception. It goes for a touchdown. I mean, these these guys, they give up a play at the end of the half and then they come out and they basically no, basically to it. They shut the passing game completely down mm -hmm. in the second half of this game. Wait. Oh, Mason Graham. We cannot talk about Mason Graham. Coming back in this game and looking unbelievable with, with a club on his hand, no less. What about number 55? Oh, he's Mo Hurst now. He yeah. is at that level. Like that tackle for loss that uh, where Minnesota's moving the ball and it looks like, you know, that outside zone is going to be a problem. He barrels through two dudes and then just it's a four yard tackle for loss that he did all of himself. The last time we saw that at Michigan was Mo Hurst. He's Mo Hurst as a sophomore compared to Mo Hurst in his fourth year. Uh, and, uh, and I think he's a stronger run defender. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a better interior defensive lineman in my lifetime, and that's long. Uh, I mean, Mark Messner maybe in, you know, is, was about yeah, the same. Yeah, Messner was also like technically a tackle. Like his job was more akin yeah. to like Aiden Hutchinson's in this right. defense. So I'm having a hard time thinking of, of anyone who's played better than uh, Mason Graham at this point. Well, uh, Hurst is the gold standard since he I'm He is a gold yeah. standard. I mean, the way he's grading out is like Hurst. Um, you know, there's not a lot of snaps. So it's like he ends up with a plus 20. And I go, oh, okay, how many times have I had a plus 20? And, and I've had plenty of them. I mean, there are a lot of Maureen Hutchinson. Mo Hurst has a uh -huh. few too. Brandon Graham got there a bunch of times. But they got there in a, a lot more snaps usually. So this was just every time he's involved in the play, there was one time where they get him on a stretch where they actually like moved him down a little bit. And it's like not really your fault. If you have a double and you get moved down two yards and there's no linebacker help coming, like that's not really on the tackle. Um, and then which is the way he's just – he he he's one-handed, right? He only has one hand, and yet he rips a guy past him. Like they think they've got to play on the edge because they've got him out there. They slanted. It was just one of the ways they were handling it, and handling that, those outside zones. They slant. He's out on the edge, and they think, okay, we're going to get this guy. He's a tackle. He just rips this guy one-handed by him and makes the tackle. And it's like, good lord, man! And then the next play, he does the same exact thing again. Yeah, that was the, that was the freakiest thing I may have seen in a long time. Because I, my thought, okay, he's probably going to be pretty effective, but that push pull he has, is, he's only got one arm; it's not going to work. And then he pulls it out twice. I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the other guy who's who's flashing is Josiah Stewart. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Stewart had a pretty rough start to the year; wasn't getting much pressure. But here, I mean, he bull rushes Ariante Ursi into into the quarterback for a sec, and you're like, "Ah, that's just a a Minnesota." offensive lineman he's not really that good at pass protecting you know according to pro football focus he entered this this game with three pressures given up on the season none of them sacks and michigan got him for two sacks in this game um big ups to the pro football focus grader who gave mason graham two sacks because he had two <laughs> sacks 
but then a terrible spot robbed him of his second. I will never forgive the line judge. <laughs> <laughs> was, there are a lot of them. That when I yeah. when I was grading the the game, like there's there's another one where the um I guess the the referee on the other side judge thinks that Brian Cook just served him a tennis ball because he jumps the exact wrong way and <laughs> ends up well, getting pulled over. Let's not get Craig started. This <laughs> is dangerous. No, you guys, you guys uh, I, I think that the comparison with with Mulhurst is really good when you look at at Mason's get off. It is tremendous. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, he his off snap quickness combined with his power. You know he's a bigger dude than than Mo was. That that's what makes it so impressive is he's moving that quick, and this dude is an absolute rock in the middle. And then he shows you the technique as well. He's he's down to one hand, but that doesn't mean he can't swim you. And he was breaking out that swim move like it was nothing, and guys couldn't adjust to it. It was it was impressive to say the least to see a guy come back after a two week hiatus with one hand and, and basically be a be a wrecker for uh for, for Michigan out, you know, in this first game back. There's, that was impressive. There's another one that, that I gotta bring up because we all missed it in the in the middle of the game where I like Minnesota's backed up uh under their own goalposts. I think they're on like the sixteen or something like and he one arms a guy all the way into the running back so like the running back gets the ball, he's supposed to hop outside after this, and all of a sudden his blocker is like literally in his like in, in his legs, um, and they got a little weird after that, and the the run actually got back to the line of scrimmage, but like the job that Mason Graham had done just completely blew up everything they wanted to do. Like that doesn't happen. You don't expect your like right guard if you start to the left of the quarterback to all of a sudden be there when you're getting the handoff. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we will come back on the other side. We'll get a, a little glimpse of, of, of Indiana. I mean, you, you think Tom Allen would be in trouble if he didn't have a huge buyout? I do. Uh, but because his buyout is so huge, I think he's safe for at least uh, another season. Uh, his assistants aren't, though, as they have a new uh, OC because they fired their, their OC they started out with. They fired him. And have brought an analyst up. So we'll get into the Hoosiers when we come back on the other side here. MGO Blog Roundtable on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket. And we are clear on the radio. All right. I don't know how many people you got to stay on the radio by saying, hey, we're going to talk about Indiana football. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't have to spend that much time on it. Just give them a little. Have you, uh, I mean, did you guys see, have you seen any of them? I mean, Mm -hmm. I saw some of Ohio State, and they played pretty good defense against Ohio State, I thought. That's the Uh, only time I've watched them. They played Louisville tough, surprisingly. Well, they were were down by uh, 14-21, and they drove the ball down inside the – into the goal – near the goal line. They've got a couple players on this team. They're just – they're not as good as the sum of their parts. So, like, you know, defensively, they just – they're filled with um, transfers, and all of them – don't they don't play with each other very well, which is understandable because mm-hmm. they barely, you know, they're all still wearing name tags in practice. Um, yeah. I really like that guy they got from Western Michigan, Andre Carter. Uh, I I don't know. If I, we haven't done the defensive side yet uh, for for Alex's chart, so like I don't know if we're gonna star him yet. But they got him. They got Aaron Casey. They got some. They have some players. They also have well, some humongous j- holes. They just need to develop some guys that transfer here. Uh, uh, like I would like number 75 for Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, off, offensive guard. 
<laughs> I mean, will that guy transfer here Tyler, next year? Tyler Cooper, he's got one more year. He could be a grad transfer. I mean, yeah, I mean, did you like him? Because yeah. I sure did. Yeah, I know. I uh, noticed him. He, he's he shows up in the in the charting several times where I just like start naming the, like oh that was number seventy five. I started mentioning whether it was number seventy five or number seventy one because number seventy one is just terrible. Terrible. So you have to like yeah. know. I like, think Darius Taylor. I think Darius Taylor. You, did you see? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jay Fleck kind of making a plea to the donors like, hey, you want us to keep Darius Taylor? You better give up some money. <laughs> That's the only way we're keeping him. How about, yeah, how about Daniel, Jackson? Daniel Jackson? That, that receiver yeah. too. Yeah. Like he's a yeah. He's another. He'll be a grad transfer, I think. He's he's on. Well, he'll be a he'll be a senior next year. So there yeah. was one guy at Nebraska too, a defensive lineman I liked, Hutmacker, Nutmacker, something like that. Was yeah. that Nebraska uh, dude? He's pardon yeah, me. That's the nose tackle for Nebraska. He's yeah. he's too Nebraska to to leave Nebraska. To he was, leave. He was uh, like the uh, wrestling champion of South Dakota. Because we're gonna need another inside guy next year. Maybe he could transfer. So yeah, that's um, what you gotta do. You gotta look at these teams for who you might be able to grab. As as sad as that is to say, but that's the yeah. way the cookie crumbles these days. That's the way it is. Yeah, you're you're poaching. So how much of that Ohio State Maryland game did you guys watch? Most of it. Yeah. Yeah, gave it gave it away. Oh my god, they let those dudes. Oh up. my god, yeah, they did. But you know, Chip Trian, I'm rushing for three yards a carry on twenty carries against Maryland, and I'm just like, we're gonna beat the we're gonna beat the hide <laughs> off these guys. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure up. their their offensive line is very good in the run game. Uh, well, they're not. Sure. <clears throat> my one concern is that the some of the smarter football guys who are Ohio State fans I follow on Twitter are like, mm-hmm. stretch for the boundary again. Hooray. Why don't we just put this all on the dumper and start something else? So I think that there is some chance that, you know, Maryland is a come to Jesus for them and they dump that out of their their game because they Back can't run in about it. 20 seconds, guys. And they, they run a bunch of stuff that they're more effective at. I think that's a strong possibility. Well, to me, their offense is throw it up to Marvin Harrison. Throw it up tomorrow. That's that's their best play. Well, and, and, and what's wrong with that? And well, Maryland's <laughs> like, let's not guys. cover and this guy. Back <laughs> yeah. in five, four, three. So, taking on the Indiana Hoosiers, there was a time in the not too distant past, fellas, where you felt like this was going to be this is going to be a track meet uh, because Indiana had one of the most potent offenses. In the Big Ten, they can never really put it all together, but they can certainly move the ball up and down the field, even against the, the better teams. That is no longer the case. I'll start with you, Craig Ross, because you seem to have a higher regard for the Hoosiers than most. So what is the reason? Well, I don't want to say high regard. I didn't say high. I didn't oh. say high. Indiana said Hoosiers higher. fan Craig Ross. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think they – they are capable of playing good defense. They played good defense against Louisville. They played good defense against Ohio State. Now, it's true they didn't play very good defense against Akron, and uh, it's true that uh, Maryland put up 164 points or whatever it was, but that was still, you know, I mean, well, they got killed by Maryland. So the, so the, 
but they did play well against the two really good teams they played against on defense. Now they can't move the ball. Their quarterback can't really run it. Uh, they don't have any kind of a coherent run game. Their pass game is sketchy. So they're a terrible offense with a maybe okay defense. So it's probably not going to be good enough to win, but think of these things. A, it might rain on Saturday. B, it could be windy on Saturday. C, we know for a fact there's going to be an eclipse during the middle of the game on Saturday. This is a fact. And so, you know, there's weird there's weird stuff. And so you can't just assume a team that's, you know, has some ability is, is just going to roll over because they're probably not. They're going to roll over. <laughs> Someone just pointed out Eric Upchurch that it is a 35 point spread. So yeah, my grasping and straws. Yeah. They're absolutely gonna roll over. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess Here, I'll try yeah, on my best. Here's here's the the, the, the pieces on of the Indiana offense you need to know about. Jalen Lucas is their slot receiver slash little running back slash kick return. He is a fun little bug who's difficult to tackle, and you know you're going to have to you know you're going to have to track him down in space and get a couple friends to help you. Cam Camper is the receiver outside. He's a go up and get it kind of. Uh, you know, they we've seen other receivers who are pretty good. I think Will Johnson's been pretty much locking guys down, but you know, throw the ball up to him and let him try to catch it in single coverage. He might be able to pull a couple of those off. And finally, running back Christian Turner. If anyone remembers that guy from yeah, Michigan. He has not had a fumble since he left Michigan. Yeah, is that right? Good for him. Mm-hmm. The, I got a couple questions for you guys. I mean, um, first, it looks like Will Johnson is back from whatever injuries he had. I thought, you know, obviously he had a big game this week. But what about Rod Moore? Is he does he look right yeah. to you and the, and yeah, the same? Yeah, you can't really see the safeties and like I was, they were trying to get Keon Snap a lot of reps. I think that they want him to be ready for the back half of the season, so they've been working mm-hmm. him in. They let Makari Page play a little bit of slot this game, and really Rod Moore's job was just going to be over. You know, you see him in the highlights when you know when Will Johnson makes the interception. Rod's the one that they asked to get all the way across the field and, and get into a cover two zone on top of the guy that Will Johnson was coming off of. Um, he does make one like good old fashioned Rod Moore play in this game. It was uh, it's set up like a fourth and two, and you thought that they were about to make a, and he you thought they were about to get the first down easily, and he just shoots down, wraps the guy up in the backfield. There's no yak. There's just he was it it was classic Rod Moore. Now they're not throwing anywhere near him, so he has no opportunities to pick things off. But like he's back there. Yeah, I think you you just highlighted something that I think is really, really good to see, and that is just how locked in to their assignments they are. Because this was a game where, you know, you just weren't going to get a lot of tests. Uh, There was the the one breakdown toward the end of the half uh, where where guys kind of, you know, they they let one get by them. But that first play, I mean, he and Will Johnson being on the absolute same page it was they were both reading number two they were both reading the slot on that play mm-hmm. if the slot goes vertical then it's quarters and rod Moore takes him down the field if he cuts short then it's cover two and will jumps it and rod gets over the top and what did rod do like he knew exactly what to do in that instance mm-hmm. and you saw that throughout the game but for maybe that play before the half where you know, they, they let, like I said, let one get by them, but you, you like to see that kind of precision in the secondary. So from that standpoint, it really feels like 
the rust is kind of wearing off. We'll have to wait to see, Rod, in some actual coverage situations uh, to really get a feel for physically uh, if he is, like, all the way back. But I'm I'm encouraged. This is this is where they are. This is their preseason for he and Will, right? They're, I mm-hmm. said this last week, you know, where the other guys were in game, you know, three and four, that's where, you know, Rod and, and Will are right now. This is what, both their third game back. So they should be rounded in four. What about Mikey, Seth? I mean, he last year he looked not much different than Dax Hill. This year, I don't know if he's injured or down a bit. I mean, what's your impression? Impression there? Uh, he's not a linebacker, so like he was one of the guys who was not there when I was talking about the defensive tackles not having any help yeah. because what they were doing, that you know, they run a tight end one way and then they run a receiver the other way, and that flips your responsibility. So the guy who was over the receiver now has a has a tight end and vice versa, and by doing that, they basically turn your nickel into a linebacker and your weak side uh, linebacker into a into a slot. So when he was put in that position, he was, you know, he, he's very peppers like. I don't think where he's just like he's he's too small. And he's going to hang back and just try to like and wait for his opportunity instead of, um, you know, just shooting in there and trying to like be physical, which is what he should do. He's not, you know, he's five ten one eighty two. He's not going to be a linebacker. Uh, I mean, that's really the only hole I saw. There was one where they kind of crossed him up on a slant, and then the um, the ball might have been tipped at the line, or it was just. They couldn't throw it because Rashawn Benny just had his hand right in the way of the throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if they had better protection, then he might have gotten hit by a slant again. But, like, that's that happens to anybody. If you're in man coverage and you don't have help inside, you know, you're going to get hit by a slant. That was really it. The, the touchdown, um, you know, it, it goes inside. It's a really great catch by Daniel Jackson. And I thought, Brian and I were disagreeing on this, I thought that Keon Saab was supposed to get on top of that, that he has no other guys below him, that he turns his hips really late, and like you want to see the safety with helping on anything inside. Would he have gotten there? I don't know. The ball came down very vertically. It was like a well-thrown ball. It was a great catch falling down. Um, Sainer still is only a few yards away from the sideline there, so... It could have like it was. I gave it a negative to both of them. I decided at the end of that. Yeah, one. it's it's a negative to both. They were in covers and key the the tight end motions to the boundary. So Keon is free to get over the top mm-hmm. at, at that point. Should have been there to to help. But at the same time, the 13 seconds left, you can't bite on a double move. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. so, you know, they, I mean, you know, let them catch it in front of you. They don't have any timeouts. Let them catch it in mm-hmm. front of you. So that that to me. Um, they're asking Mikey to do more. Like Mikey's playing corner. He's playing some corner this year, uh, and that's a bit of an adjustment. And I think it's you know you you see some uh, some some growing pains there a little bit. Uh, but I think it, it's one of those deals where the more reps he gets in that capacity, the better he'll he'll be at it. Uh, and I don't anticipate you seeing him make a make a mistake like that again. And at the same time, Keon Sab, that was a very valuable snap for him. As well, that was maybe the one occasion where it's either situational awareness or coverage responsibility where you could look at it and say both of those things weren't the best for the defense uh, in this game. But then they come out in the second half and they don't give up a single reception. I mean, what do you I mean? Oh, they get one reception, but it was the key on set. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I guess I have a question for Brian, too. I mean, it's what I mean, do you have a concern on the offense? Because as I'm looking at it, I say, well, what's the problem here? I mean, 
I mean, do you see something that says that, that's just bugging you or really saying to you, uh, this could be a problem going forward? I mean, take injuries out of the equation. Of course. Well, no, I mean, like the resolving the offensive line in a satisfactory way, I thought Henderson had a very good game. I don't think he had a pass pro issue the whole game. There was a corner blitz, but I didn't think he had a real chance of uh, dealing with that after they did an idea at pre-snap. Um <clears throat> Everything else was good. I mean, you know, the one thing you kind of wonder about is like, is this team going to be able to pass protect against really high end opponents? Because we haven't really seen any and the protection has been very good. But there is sort of a situation where a guy like Shop Robinson might go up against a Barnhart or a Henderson and just be getting through too much for the offense to be truly efficient. But that's like... I think Roman Wilson has proven that he's a legit number one receiver. I think Barner and, and Bredesen have far exceeded expectations. I think JJ's in the running for best quarterback in the country, and all that feels real sustainable. So, you know, to me, there's just not a whole lot of worry there. And you look at when things break down in this game, and a lot of it is just dropped passes, which hasn't been a problem so far this year. I think uh, JJ's still in the uh, top five or top 10 in terms of power five quarterbacks having a drop rate. So hands for the receivers are not really a question, especially because we've seen these guys for multiple years, right? It's not like we're confused about whether these guys can catch the ball. So the answer is really no. Like this is the best offense of Harbaugh's career at Michigan. And when they're going to be asked to do things in the fourth quarter, I think they'll be able to do them. That, I mean, that's terrible news for Michigan fans because uh, as a true Michigan fan, I like to worry. Right? <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out things to worry about. I, and so, I mean, I'd love to get a, a Donovan Edwards game because you saw the one play where like they, they just it was just a dump down, right? And all of a sudden he just accelerates away from a guy and it's like, okay, you're, you're dead, right? And, you know, he's so good at that, but he haven't – We've seen him just running the plays as a running back, not necessarily like, you know, doing anything wild as a running back yet. He hasn't been adding a lot of, uh, a lot more than what the blocking's getting him in that. We haven't seen him just like get matched up on a guy and just toast him. Like the the things that we were excited to see Edwards do, and I'm guessing we're not going to get another year of Edwards because the NFL loves the things that he can do. I feel like we're getting like the, the low end of the expectations for that. You know, it'd be interesting to see what he's thinking based on how the thing. I think he he was thinking that the production would be to a point where it would be more conducive to being a high draft pick. I don't know if that'll affect his thinking about whether to go or stay or not, but I think it's it's on the table. He only got four carries. Uh, didn't get a lot of carries. I think the, I think Blake kind of led him in carries with nine. Uh, wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of of touches from that standpoint to go around. But I still found it interesting. Again, this week where we it feels like more elements of Donovan in the passing game are being added. So in that pin and pull, they bubble them, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they they were doing that. They uh, I'm trying to think of the there were a couple of other um, uh, pass plays that where he was a target on uh, as well. It just feels like they're adding to his receiver package. He had a drop in the flat, the and I thought. I thought JJ. I don't know what Brian, Brian graded that yet, but I thought JJ put it right where it needed to be, and like he could have caught that and kept running with it. Um, it was a, it was a touch low, but yeah, I, I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. 
So like, there's your. I mean, there was the another opportunity, right? And that's that's the kind of thing that's supposed to be so devastating because like you let you get this guy free in the flat. It's not like it's a tight end who's going to catch the ball, turn around, and maybe get two yards. This guy could round you, right? And if you had a linebacker on him in that situation, he could turn the corner and create a lot of damage downfield. But you're absolutely right, Craig. I mean, uh, Seth, what you said. I mean, to be. I, I should say I agree. It'd be nice to see a game where he's able to just go off and have a mm-hmm. have a big play. All the other the, the two other backs have both had big plays. Yeah. Right. To kind of get them feeling really, really good and maybe put a little thinking, a little thought in the in the uh in the heads of the defense. So I want to see Donovan get some of that you no know, better time than than the present. I want to give you guys an opportunity though, to talk a little a little hockey as the All season. Right. Uh, is upon us. Our Alejandro came right, right back from Minnesota, and was out at, at Yo. So let's let's think broadly here, because we will talk more specifically in the weeks to come. But broadly, Brian, your expectations for this hockey season for the Maze and Blue? Uh, I mean, they should be able to get back to the tournament. They have a lot of talent. They have questions in goal. They they brought in uh, Kanisha's transfer, and Noah West is also competing for the job. And they lost Ethan Edwards for the first half of the season to an injury. And that's a big loss for them because in terms of offensive defensemen, they have Seamus Casey, who's fantastic, but their decor is a little less dynamic this year than it has been in previous years. So I I think it'd be a little bit much to expect a conference championship because now Michigan state is good again for the first time in like 20 years. So this makes the conference even more brutal. Uh, I think Ohio State's probably going to take a step back. Wisconsin is still building, but you're not really having a whole lot of days off in the conference schedule. So there's going to be some ups and downs. Uh, I think the most important thing for Michigan is that Frank Nazar is back to where he was when he was a top 10 draft pick. We saw him late last year. He flashed a couple of things, but he wasn't like consistently dominant shift to shift. And he's their number one center. He's the guy stepping into Fantilli's shoes, and he's the guy you really need to click. Yeah, I, I was at both games. Um, I was a little more negative than than others. I know Brian and uh, David Nasternak and Alex Drain were all happy, I think, in the big picture with Michigan's play this weekend. Uh, I was concerned because, one, uh, they didn't seem to really have a third good defensive pairing, and now that's even more problematic with uh, Tyler Duke getting hurt on Saturday. And I don't know how bad his injury is, but if his injury puts him on the sideline for a while, you're sort of left with three good defensemen and that's it. Um, and and so that's really a problem. Now, maybe he's going to be okay, but I, uh, Alejandro said he was in a walking boot this week. So, uh so I, I'm worried there. Uh, second thing, I, I didn't see outstanding goal, goalkeeping play this weekend. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I thought uh, Barczewski was okay on, on, on Saturday night, but he wasn't outstanding in my opinion. Uh, and so I'm worried about, about that part of it. The most problemsome thing for me was that they were terrible on the penalty kill. They gave up five goals on nine on nine power plays, uh, and that's you know that's beyond awful. Now limited data points, I know. Plus, their power play didn't look particularly great. They scored twice in nine attempts, but those were both on two man advantages, um, and so 
uh, while I know inside of the program, they're really happy and they feel that Providence was a really good team. They're certainly a big team. They had a six, seven, two forty defenseman. Uh, and, and they did seem like a pretty competent team. Um, but I was a well, little worried coming out of the weekend. To the uh, just to add to your, you know, the problems with the penalty kill, you know, the, the six on five was the same problem. And yeah. at the very, you know, they're yeah, they're up five to one, and all of a sudden it's a five four game because they just they could not get the puck back. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's you know some of the speed on defense they've lost or some of the speed on the in the forwards that they've lost by going kind of grittier. Uh, but that was a little bit of a concern. And I also, can we talk to somebody about figuring out how to schedule these games not at the same time as football games? Is there well, any way to do this? completely maddening. It's completely maddening that they they put this hockey game at the same time as the Minnesota football game. And we have, a, we have a home game against Ohio State at the same time we're playing Michigan State. Football is playing right. Michigan State on the road. Like, you, yeah. can you, I mean, there should be some wiggle room. I think most of the fans would be okay with moving the game to, like, the middle of the day if we're going to be playing a night, sure. football's playing a night game. Like, be cognizant of the fact that this is, these are your fans. Uh, there's no way that that game can't be moved to 4 o'clock. Or mm-hmm. four thirty, even so that people can get back and watch and 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 see the football game. Uh, instead, what you what you had this last weekend uh, was you know on the opening opening night against a good team, Providence. They were like two thirds full. Yeah. So they they you know and so hockey hockey takes the brunt of that, and there's no reason why that game couldn't have been played. I don't know Thursday. Uh, yeah, p- Friday. It, it, I mean, is there, it, it's. It, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's just they don't care. But you got to realize the yeah. fans care and the players care. The players don't want to play their opener in front of two thirds. They don't want to play right. against Ohio State right. without their fans there. It's ridiculous. Well, also in the fact that it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of institutional caring about this is that mm-hmm. most of the first period was not even streamed. Like I pay eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. a year for Big Ten Network Plus specifically so I can see Michigan hockey games and the product is awful. Yeah, it's garbage. The product is awful. Like even when they got the the stream there was no score bug so you didn't know what time was you didn't know the score you had no, no idea what was time. going on. Yeah. So it's it's been a consistently embarrassing product and I have no hope that it will ever change. But yeah. I, I mean, get to complain about it on the radio. Every <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us. On-